Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. New York City in the 1980s, home to trendsetters, tastemakers, and the super hip. It's great! It's not the calm life. It's 90 miles an hour zone. Less than 50 miles away is a place that prides itself on a very different way of life. Yeah! Long Island, a.k.a. Strong Island. East of New York City, not that far a drive. The difference is tremendous. Suburban teenagers whose lives revolve around simpler pleasures. Everyone's friends and everyone knows each other. Date night at the diner, the romance of prom, and weekends with buddies at the racetracks. A lot of action, a lot of bumping and grinding between the cars, the beers are flowing, the food's here. A place filled with the kind of people celebrated in chart-topping songs by the island's hometown hero, Billy Joel. It's a special place. I've been all over the world, and there really is no place like Long Island. Billy's sentimental songs hit just the right chord for Long Island teens experiencing the complex adolescent emotions of first love. But 18-year-old Lisa Weaver doesn't fall into that category. While she's used to being courted, she's never felt the whirlwind that is teen love. Until now. Lisa graduated. She's home for the summer. To go into town to get to the stores, there was a gas station she walked past the gas station, and then Matthew was working there. He was a good-looking guy. He was about 5'11". He was very strong. And when he spots Lisa walking by, he springs into action. He whistled at her, came out, introduced himself, started chatting with her. His name is Matthew Solomon, and Lisa falls for him fast. He's equally captivated. Lisa's a catch. People were kind of attracted to her. She was a cheerleader. They were always very popular in school and in gymnast. She was small, 5'3", and she had the biggest, brownest eyes. And even bigger hair. She would take hours to do her hair, and she would never go out of the house if it wasn't exactly perfect. 
It was like her hair and her nails, two most important things. After her appearance, Lisa's top priority was one she shared with most of the high school girls on Long Island. All my children, yes. Oh, she was addicted to it. She taped it before she went to work. She had it all set up, sat and watched it every single night. The passion, the fashion, the romance. It's over the top, and for a teenage Lisa, aspirational. Fictional Pine Valley isn't so different from her small Long Island town. One day, maybe her life can be as glamorous as Erica Kane's. And maybe Matthew is the first step. He works hard to make a good impression. He was polite. He was funny. He had a lot of charisma. He was really a nice person. With mom's seal of approval, Matthew and Lisa make it official and decide to go steady. When I first met Matthew Solomon, I liked him. He seemed to be kind of happy-go-lucky. He showered her with gifts and just couldn't do enough for her. I remember one time he had bought her a little baby bunny and she ended up in the hospital in an hour. A sweet surprise gone terribly wrong due to Lisa's intense asthma. Christmas trees, dust, dogs, cats, and she had an inhaler all the time. Despite the unfortunate bunny incident, Lisa relies on Matthew to take care of not only her, but her family as well. With her father in full-time hospital care due to cancer, Matthew becomes an indispensable part of their life. We would call him up and say, Matthew, there's a huge bug in the house. Could you come get the bug? He would shovel the snow. He would mow the lawn. He started to call me mom. Lisa and Matthew's relationship is rapidly evolving from flirty teenage infatuation phase to the real thing. Make your holiday shopping even merrier at the Roosevelt Field Mall. Come say hi to Santa. Shop your heart out at Tape World, Merry-Go-Round, and all the hottest stores. And what better time to buy that special someone something special. Lisa and Matthew have been dating for two years, supporting each other as they start their careers. She's a loan processor at a local bank, and he makes good money as a sheet metal worker. Matthew makes a bold decision. It was Christmas Eve. He proposed to her. He did give her a very, very beautiful ring. I think he paid around $5,000 for it back then. $5,000 was a lot of money. It's a scene romantic enough to rival all my children. Lisa happily accepts, and they begin planning their wedding. But Lisa's family has some concerns. The couple have had their share of issues over the two years they've been together. Lisa has a temper. For the most part, she was a very sweet person. You press the right buttons, yeah, she'll come back at you. And Matthew's protectiveness sometimes morphs into a possessive side. She said, Matthew, I'm not gonna see you tonight because I wanna wash my hair, I wanna do my nails. No, I'll, I'll come over and I'll watch you do that. You had to be there every second. The relationship between the young couple is an emotional roller coaster. They were breaking up, and then they would make up, and then they would break up. They must have broke up about 60 times. But after each breakup, they realize they can't live without each other. 
in an intimate wedding with 40 guests, Lisa and Matthew tie the knot. Lisa was radiant that day. It was the happiest day of her life. She was dancing. She was teaching Matthew how to dance. She was teaching Matthew how to do the chicken. Oh, it was so cool. It was a wonderful, wonderful day. Back from their honeymoon in Hawaii, Lisa and Matthew start their life as husband and wife, living together for the first time. Matthew and Lisa rented an apartment above a house in Huntington Station, typical Long Island suburb, kind of blue collar, you know, middle class. It was not that far from me. It was maybe 15 minutes. Despite the close proximity to their families, there are drawbacks to their new neighborhood. There's a lot of drugs, all kinds of people on corners selling drugs. This is Long Island. We try to have that Ozzy and Harriet leave it to Beaver. You know, nothing bad happens in the suburbs, but throughout the 80s, crack was making its way through our suburbs. Lisa and Matthew assure their family that the apartment is in a safe part of town, far away from the problems that have been plaguing Huntington Station. And they settle into life as a newlywed couple with their whole lives ahead of them. On the 24th of December, Lisa went to work and she called me a couple of times and told me they were gonna have a big lobster dinner and they were gonna celebrate their first Christmas. And she was very excited, extremely excited. But it's not just Christmas Eve that Lisa and Matthew are celebrating. It's also their two month wedding anniversary. And even though it's a special occasion for the couple, Lisa still makes time to see her mom. She had prearranged to go to midnight mass with her. Armed with a bottle of her favorite bubbly, Corbell Brute, Lisa heads to the new apartment to meet up with Matthew, eager for the romantic part of her night to begin. She said, we're going to just enjoy our Christmas Eve and open our gifts, and then I will see you at 11. And that was the last I spoke to Lisa. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
Hey, it's Janice from Warner Brothers Discovery. Have you ever heard the expression, perfect is the enemy of good? I think about that a lot, especially when it comes to my body and health, because perfect does not exist. It's a total trap. Noom isn't into this perfection thing either. Its unique approach is tailored to each person's psychology and biology. From coaching to recipes, Noom's app provides personalized information to help you on your journey, no one else's journey. I also think it's great that Noom doesn't restrict what you can eat, and it doesn't shame you for treating yourself. And treat yourself, you should. What's more, Noom's approach is grounded in science. They've even published more than 30 peer-reviewed scientific articles about how they work. To date, Noom has helped more than 5.2 million people lose weight by helping them build new habits for a healthier lifestyle. So why not give it a try? Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. It's 5.30 in the morning in Huntington Station, Long Island, when newlywed Matthew Solomon rushes to the scene of a fire. Matthew Solomon saw the police officer and showed him a photograph of Lisa. Was Lisa involved in this fire? The answer from the policeman, thankfully, is no. But Matthew frantically tells the cop his wife is missing. We had a fight, she left the apartment. She went for a walk and she hasn't come back, she's vanished. The officer is busy tending to the fire, but promises to keep his eyes peeled. Matthew continues searching until the sun begins to rise. He was driving around town, driving up and down the roads in the area. Six o'clock in the morning, my phone is ringing, and I'm very disoriented. Awakened by the ringing, Diane realizes she's still dressed in the outfit she had put on for mass the night before. I took a shower, I got dressed, and I thought, I'll just doze for a few minutes, and then when Lisa comes, she'll wake me up. But Lisa never showed to wake Diane. And now Diane hears Matthew's panicked voice shouting into the phone. Matthew said, Mom, Lisa is missing. She went for a walk last night. I had just woke up and it was like not really penetrating. And I said, what do you mean she went for a walk? And he said, she just said, I have to go for a walk. I want to be alone. She races straight over to Lisa's apartment and Matthew calls the police. When an officer arrives at the apartment, he tells him the full story of what happened the previous night. He said that they had had an enjoyable Christmas Eve dinner. Together, they consumed three bottles of Corbell, including two Matthew brought home. He told the police that they were having a great time. They made love. At some point, Lisa was watching the soap opera All My Children. As Lisa indulged in the televised love story of Pine Valley's Cindy and Stewart, Matthew began to doze. He said that Lisa was upset with him because he had fallen asleep. She berated him for falling asleep on Christmas Eve. And they began to argue. He told the police that the argument escalated to the point where she was getting upset with him. She told him that she hated him. Matthew apologized in an attempt to salvage the rest of their night. And though they made up, Matthew says Lisa was still itching to get out of the house. She had to clear her head. He said that she was so upset that she said she was going to go for a walk. 
Matthew knows that going for a walk was Lisa's way of coping with her emotions, so he decides not to push things any further. When Lisa left the house, he thought she would return within 15 or 20 minutes. He went to bed. In those days, you could He says that he woke up probably three hours later and she had not returned home. He went out in his car to look for her. She didn't have her coat on and she didn't take her pocketbook. Upon hearing these details, Lisa's family is distraught. It was a freezing winter. We had tons of snow and it would blow zero. No jacket, no house keys, no car keys. She was asthmatic, she didn't have her inhaler. The officer takes down the information and heads out. They said to give it 24 hours and then, you know, we'll get involved. But Matthew and Diane don't want to wait 24 hours, so they frantically round up friends and family for help, knowing time is of the essence. It's possible Lisa's already collapsed somewhere and is in need of her medication. On Christmas morning, we went to the apartment. The room was filled with people. They were assembling a search party. In this small Long Island community, when one of their own is in trouble, everyone pitches in. The Blue Knights, the motorcycle club surged, off-duty military people at Christmas leave helped us search. All kinds of volunteer people came to help search for Lisa. They set up a command center in the Solomon's apartment, and Matthew takes charge. Well, we had big banquet-type tables. Uh, we spread out a bunch of maps on a table, and Matthew was, all right, you bunch go here, you bunch go there. The people were out there looking, and they'd call back with any little bit of information that they had. News 12 Long Island reporter Doug Geed immerses himself in the drama. Ironically, the search began on what should have been a time for family celebration, Christmas Day. Normally we don't cover a story like that because chances are they've left on purpose. This was completely different. This was a young newlywed woman, went out for a walk. She never came back. That had eerie sounds to it. And Matthew harnesses that interest to raise awareness of the dire situation. If she's outside, I'm very concerned. Despite the massive effort, by the next day, they found no sign of Lisa anywhere. After 24 hours, the police kicked in. I classify it as a mysterious disappearance. In their attempts to track down Lisa, investigators speak with a number of friends and family, and they have their suspicions. If you watch any kind of television, the husband is always the first suspect. His fingerprints were taken. There was a hair sample, blood sample. Police learn that some of Lisa's friends have issues with Matthew's story. One friend said that there's no way that Lisa would walk at night in the dark because she was terrified of the dark. And the Solomon's downstairs neighbor fuels the fire with their account. They supplied information about the fact that they heard an argument upstairs. The room where Matthew and Lisa are watching television is right above their bedroom. For the police, that's no surprise. Matthew's been completely forthcoming about their fight. But the statement does help corroborate Matthew's time frame of when Lisa left. Matthew is consumed with finding Lisa. And those closest to her dismiss the idea he had something to do with this. I knew he wasn't involved. Every time he came home, he would hug me and say, I promise you, Lisa's coming home. I'm going to find her. I'm going to find her. I'm going to find her for you. Days pass, 
and Matthew does not find Lisa. The endless searching is seemingly futile. It's clear she didn't go off on her own. She's someplace where she can't get back home. But Matthew thinks he has a lead on who's involved in her disappearance. And he's about to go vigilante. Matthew went out and he bought a shotgun. Bought a Mossberg 500 pistol grip shotgun. She's alive. She's alive somewhere. And I'm going to find her. Please don't hurt her. Please don't do anything rash. Please keep her warm and make sure she gets fed. And to whoever did it, no harm's going to come to them. Just bring her home. Police are investigating the mysterious disappearance of 22-year-old Lisa Solomon. With massive local Long Island media attention, leads pour in, none of which pan out. But through interviews with family and Lisa's husband, they learn that Lisa has her share of admirers. Lisa was the girl that every guy in town wanted. And one in particular captures their interest. Not long before she married Matthew, Lisa received a call from a man in need of a loan for his new Corvette. His name is Rob, and sight unseen, he became smitten with Lisa. He would call up and he would ask her out and, you know, listen, maybe we could just go for a real quick drink or maybe we could just go have a little lunch or something. For Lisa, it's a harmless flirtation. She would laugh and she would say, Rob, I told you, I'm getting married. I'm, I have a boyfriend, I'm engaged. But even after numerous rebuffs, Rob continues to call. On Christmas Day, Rob called Mrs. Weaver to wish her a Merry Christmas, which sounded very curious because here's this fella calling Lisa's mother when they had never even met. Is this a case of unrequited love? Or maybe there was more between them than Lisa let on. The media latches on to the story. Lisa worked as a loan processor at a Huntington bank, where she reportedly received a number of harassing phone calls from a man identified only as Rob. We in the media, we heard there was someone named Rob who liked Lisa and still kept in touch with Lisa, even after Matthew and Lisa got married in October. Though he's called the house numerous times, the only thing they know about Rob is his first name. The family capitalized on the press to try to coax him out. There were reports of, of a guy that, uh, that's been calling her at the bank. I want him to come out, okay, I want to talk to him. A lot of people would like to talk to him right now. For police, the only clue they have is that Lisa facilitated the loan for Rob's Corvette. The manager provides access to Lisa's files, but the records are not computerized. It could take weeks for investigators to sift through endless boxes of paperwork. But Matthew isn't giving up. She's alive. She's alive somewhere, and I'm gonna find her. With violence from the rotten apple creeping onto the island, the family seizes onto the idea that Lisa has been swept into this world. If not by Rob, perhaps she's being held by someone else. Maybe somebody just took her and kidnapped her. Maybe it's for ransom. Maybe she's captured. Matthew, along with Lisa's cousins Steve and friends, go on the hunt through Huntington's worst neighborhoods. They went to some really bad places, really, really bad places. We went into this abandoned place. The police didn't even want to go into this house. Matthew actually kicked down the door. It's a local crack den, and Matthew storms in, followed by his loyal team. You can smell the burning crack and drugs. And as they're going in the front door, the crackheads were running out the back door. We had scared them out of there. But there's no sign of Lisa anywhere. 
It's now been five days since Lisa's disappearance. And volunteers said they planned on scouring every park in the immediate area. And show up they did, along with Lisa's uncle, cousins, and friends. Like everyone in the family, Lisa's cousin Steve is relentless in his quest to find her. Steve has teamed up with an off-duty cop and is combing through a field near the Pulaski Highway. The police officer said that a lot of people do things in the woods in this area. There's even rituals that are conducted in this area. I had a CB radio. I put a call into my father saying where we were and that I wanted to cross the street and do the other field across the other street. Before he crosses the highway, something catches his eye. I looked around me and there was garbage bags. There had to be 50 of them. They were filled with leaves. So I was like, wow, what's with these bags? They were all soft like leaf bags would be. And then I kicked one of the bags and it was hard. Bent down, as I was ripping the bags open, I saw a human arm frozen to a leg. I proceeded to open the bags further until I recognized the fact that it really was my cousin Lisa. I had discovered Lisa's body. It felt like the world stopped spinning. When he recovers, Steve walkies the others with the news. Police rush to the scene and process the horrific findings. She was not clothed. She was in a fetal position, which you'd have to be in order to fit a human body into a leaf bag, and her entire body was frozen solid. The location is just half a mile from the apartment, and Matthew arrives in minutes. He pulled up to the area, he got out of the car, and he started running towards Lisa. So I ran from where I was across the street to Matthew in the middle of the field, and I had to grab him so hard from running to Lisa's position that I tore his shirt through his jacket. They didn't want him to see his dead wife, certainly in that, in that state. Matthew is so hysterical, he sedated and rushed to the hospital and the rest of Lisa's defeated and distraught family make their way back home. People were hugging me, and I remember saying, it's okay, it's okay, it's not, it's okay, everything's good, it's not Lisa. If it was Lisa, I would know, it's not Lisa. I was just in total denial. And my other daughter, Donna came in and she sat right next to me. She put her hands like on my face and she said, mom, it's Lisa. It's what everyone feared, but few would talk about. The partially clad body of young Lisa Solomon was found in a trash bag by a cousin and an auxiliary cop off Pulaski Road in Huntington. Steve, who miraculously found Lisa's body, is brought directly to the precinct. They took my boots and they took my gloves because of the footprints in my fibers on my gloves that touch those bags. He endures hours of questioning as cops try to get to the bottom of Steve's seemingly amazing discovery. It was a long night that felt like it went quick. 
okay, sit and talk for four or five hours, and it felt like nothing. I mean, but it did. At 5 a.m., the initial autopsy results come in. The medical examiner's opinion based on his autopsy was that she died of strangulation. And when Steve finally arrives home, the media is there, demanding answers. I called for a press conference on the front lawn of the house. Thank God he did. I couldn't do it. Lisa was abducted. Lisa was strangled. Lisa was thrown into a garbage bag and dumped in a field, along with bags of leaves. Nobody deserves to be thrown away like a sack of garbage. Once a missing persons investigation, police now have a violent murder on their hands. They are even more anxious to find the mysterious man named Rob. But with only a first name, they have their work cut out for them. The identity of Rob, who the subject is, is a matter that's under intense investigation right now. They sort through mountains of files and paperwork and finally have a breakthrough. They find the bank record that identifies Lisa's client, Rob. They finally learn his last name and a little about who he is, a 23-year-old who works at a nearby car dealership. It was important to talk to Rob to evaluate him as an individual and discuss his conversations with Lisa Solomon. They track him down and interrogate him on his relationship with Lisa and why he didn't come forward when he saw the news that she was missing. What they learn is surprising. Rob had in fact seen the news of the missing woman named Lisa, but he actually knew her as Lisa Weaver, her maiden name, not the name being splashed across the news. And having never actually met her in person, he had no idea that she was the missing Lisa. They question him on his whereabouts during the time Lisa went missing. He was nowhere near the scene. He was with his family having dinner. They speak with several members of his family, and his alibi completely checks out. Police are back to square one. Lisa Solomon was buried this afternoon near her home in Northport. Meanwhile, the signs that were posted when the young newlywed disappeared remain on street poles. With their prime suspect cleared, police begin to re-examine everything with a new lens. After all, this is now a homicide and they've already lost precious time. A missing persons case gives an individual more time to cover up his crime. Investigators process the biggest piece of evidence from the scene, the garbage bag in which Lisa's body was found. Around the top of the garbage bags, and even on the bags, there were fibers which looked to the naked eye as if they were consistent with carpeting. The garbage bags were taken to the FBI lab in Washington, D.C. While they wait on the results, detectives revisit witness statements. And they started picking up inconsistencies. Small discrepancies in Matthew's story and timeline. And Detective Misa Gattis notes something from an interview with Matthew before Lisa was found dead. The curious part about Matthew Solomon's comments about his wife was he would say something like, she was my best friend. He referred to her in the past tense. But none of this is real evidence that Matthew was involved in Lisa's murder. And Matthew is the picture of a grieving widower, one who searched relentlessly for his wife and did everything the police asked of him. So, on January 5th, when investigators request to search his cars and apartment yet again, 
They aren't surprised at Matthew's response. He agrees without hesitation. He gladly and willingly signed consent forms to do both these searches. With Matthew's permission, police conduct a thorough search of the apartment and find nothing out of the ordinary. But when they look in Matthew's trunk, the case is blown wide open. The Suffolk County Crime Lab recovered fibers inside and outside the garbage bags used to dispose of Lisa Solomon's body. And while searching Matthew Solomon's car, investigators find something noteworthy. He had a piece of carpeting that was in the trunk of his car that was frayed because it, it had been cut. The color of that frayed rug is the very same red as the fibers found on the garbage bags. The homicide cops then took samples from the piece of carpeting that was in Matthew's trunk, brought that to the crime lab. The fibers that were found on the bags were totally consistent with the fibers in the carpeting in his trunk. Shock rippled through this neighborhood today as news spread of Matthew Solomon's arrest. He had just left his father's house and he was stopped at a intersection at a red light and police cars swarmed in from every different angle. They read him his Miranda rights and, and threw the handcuffs on him. And he asked the question, is there anything more on Rob? Is there anything more on Rob? Within 90 minutes in police custody, the 23-year-old breaks. The first crack in his story comes as he admits, Lisa never went for a walk that Christmas Eve. The different story was then that they had an argument and she got violent with him. I just wanted her to stop and I was begging her to stop. Stop what? Stop fighting and stop yelling and crying. How long did you, did you grab her around the neck for? I held her for a couple of minutes. After that, the police allowed him to make a call wherein he called his father. I told Detective Ryan, advise Matthew's father that this telephone conversation is being recorded. Both agreed to that arrangement. Dad. Matthew? Yeah. Talk to me. I'm sorry, Pop. That's all right. Listen, you talk to no, it's not all right. What happened? It was an accident. How, how did it happen? She was pushing me and kicking me and everything. And she bit me. That was a bruise on my arm. Yeah. And she bit me and I just wanted to hug her and hold her and tell her I loved her and it would be okay. Go ahead. And then she was gone. Matthew is charged with murder, and the news hits Lisa's mother hard. I remember screaming, you got the wrong person. The person that really did it is running around loose. Even with his taped confession, Diane is unwavering. I watch a lot of detective stuff, you know, and sometimes the police can make you confess when you're really not guilty. I still didn't believe it then, no. It took me weeks, and all of a sudden, it just came together. He did it. Matthew did it. Her denial soon turns to anger at both Matthew and her family, who she learns had become secretly convinced of Matthew's guilt. For Howard and Steve, the realization that Matthew was involved happened the night they found Lisa's body. Matthew came speeding around the corner and pulled up on the same side of the road where Lisa was. The search party was gathered in a group across the street, some 50 yards from Lisa's body. I said, Matthew, come here, come here. Matthew started running across the road right to where the body was. 
nobody had indicated where it was. We were across the street. How the hell did he know where to run? And that's when it all clicked. Steve knew exactly what Matthew was trying to do. He was making a desperate effort to run to Lisa to touch those bags. And I had to do what I had to do to stop him. All that evidence could have been compromised. I knew not to let him go near those bags. And that night, after discovering Lisa's body, when he spent hours at the police station, Steve let the police know what he witnessed. And I told the detective outright Matthew did this. They told me that Matthew is under investigation for this and that you should not press the issue and that due process will take place. They knew Matthew was involved, but they played it very straight, almost at the urging of police, like, listen, we need you guys. Matthew thinks he's a suspect. You know, he gets a lawyer, he flees, he's gone. So we need you, you know, stay close with him, talk to him. Hey, what do you think's going on? Nobody ever told me. I remember saying to my brother, if you knew, why didn't you shoot him? Why didn't you kill him? And he said, we don't do that. We're not murderers. That's the difference between him and us. Matthew, do you have anything to say about Lisa? The trial begins, and friends and family gather, desperate for justice. Lisa was my whole world. I don't know how to live without her. With tape confessions, it would appear the case is an easy win. But Matthew's defense team makes a surprising move. The defense du jour was blame the victim. The victim um, did this, the victim did that, and that's why I, I did this. It's a defense that was used just two years prior in one of the most high-profile trials of the century. The Chambers trial, the so-called preppy murder case, the defense was blame the victim. Jennifer Levin was portrayed as this sexual vixen and she lured Robert Chambers into Central Park. As for Lisa, they paint her as a hot-tempered and violent spouse. Matthew basically blamed Lisa for being out of control and starting to get violent. Matthew was a victim of this vicious individual that he had married. The jury panel, consisting of 11 men and one woman, deliberate more than 12 hours and finally reach their verdict. They convicted him of depraved indifference murder which is not an intentional crime. It is an extremely reckless crime. Matthew Solomon is sentenced to 18 years to life behind bars. For Lisa's family, the sentence is not nearly enough. I think what he got in that courtroom today is nothing compared to what he'd get with me in five minutes. To add insult to injury, Matthew quickly moves on with a new woman. He was in, in jail for a couple of days and he had a girlfriend. It's almost like he was spitting in Lisa's face. When the hell did he grieve for Lisa? He's been married twice in prison. He has a 19-year-old daughter. I resent that he took my daughter and now he has a daughter. Like the 80s soap operas that Lisa adored, this real-life drama ends on a cliffhanger. Every two years we face the prospect of another parole and plead for him to stay in. I'm petrified of him coming out. I can't even imagine him going on with his life. It's not gonna bring Lisa home, but I hope he does life. I really hope he does life, I really do. I will always, always love Lisa. She's my Lisa, and someday 
we'll be together again and we'll do our eternity together. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.